Hello and welcome to the Holy City Hoops podcast. I am Tommy. Crazy first week of College of Charleston basketball. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. By now, you've heard about Charleston's performance on the road against the number one team in the country, North Carolina. Better yet, maybe you were following along with us on Twitter or Discord or somewhere else, just riding the emotional roller coaster with us. Uh, I was definitely on a high there most of the first half and into the second half. Uh, sobered up pretty quickly down the stretch, but like I said after the game, no shame in dropping that one. I think there are a lot of positive takeaways, which we will get to, and reasons to be really optimistic about this year's Cougar team. That's not the only thing on the agenda today, though. Nearly a week ago now, the Cougars opened their season with a really solid win over Chattanooga. We have to talk about that one. And one last piece of huge news that we didn't get to until the very end of this podcast that top 20 recruiting class CFC brought in, all officially signed on the dotted line. They have put pen to paper. Isaiah Coleman, Meyer Wall, and James Scott will all be in Cougar uniforms next season. Very exciting stuff. On the pod this week is our pal Redshirt Jr. I know his real name, but it's not important. We're going to start with the UNC game, work our way backwards to the Chattanooga game, and then look ahead to what is another big week for Charleston. Uh, Richmond comes to town tonight at the 6. Third straight NCAA tournament team from last season that the Cougars are going to play to open up this year. And then coming up shortly thereafter on Thursday is the Charleston Classic. So three games in four days. Charleston will open up with a fourth straight NCAA tournament team. That would be Davidson, a team we have a lot of history with going back to the curry Gaudelock eras. That game is going to be on ESPNU Friday night in prime time. It's going to be awesome. Another great measuring stick game for the Cougars. So lots to get to today. If you like what you've heard so far, please subscribe to Holy City Hoops on the app of your choice. Follow us along on social media. Let's go. All right, Cougar fans. Redshirt Jr., you don't need to know his real name, is back on the Holy City Hoops podcast. He joined us on the final episode of last season. He now makes his triumphant return. We are going to talk UNC. We are going to talk Chattanooga. We are going to talk the games ahead. We are now in the thick of the season, but Redshirt Jr. slash RJ, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Tommy. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm, You know, in the second half of Friday's game, I briefly saw the face of God, but it did not come to fruition. It didn't end the Cougars' way, but let's get right into it. Got to talk about that game. Charleston was very briefly the talk of college basketball for a few minutes Friday night. I think we were trending on Twitter for a few moments as well. The final score of this game, 102-86, not reflective of the contest, I think. I know you watched the game, I watched the game. Really impressed by the Cougars' fight. Uh, Really liked the game plan going into this game. Charleston has the lead going into halftime. That's when things were really popping off. So much to get into here, but I'll I'll turn it over to you first. What were just your initial gut reactions coming out of that game Friday night? Well, I agree that the scoreline did not indicate really at all how the the game went. And, I mean, if you just checked and saw 102-86, you might not realize, like, oh, Charleston was up seven at the half. But yeah, I mean, two years in a row now that we've had pretty much immaculate first halves against the Hubert Davis coach UNC team. And uh, I mean, like you said, saw the face of God. It was, you know, that's as good as it gets. Ultimately, you know, I guess the result's a little sad given uh, how well we were playing for really, you know, three quarters of that game. But uh, 
overall, I think mostly positive takeaways for the Cougars and people online were pretty impressed. I think my first reaction, just on the CFC side of things, I really loved how the guys who struggled in the Chattanooga opener really played well in this game. Uh, so the three guys who scored the fewest points against Chattanooga in order were Ante Brzovic, Babakar Fai, and Ben Burnham. Brzovic, we got to talk about him. He was absolutely on fire in the second in the first half. Didn't miss a shot. Put on a clinic against an All-American in the post. Was solid defensively to the point where Pat Kelsey kept Lampton on the bench and just rolled with Ante for, for 15 minutes. And Ante responded with 15 points. And this is a guy who I was really high on in the offseason. I mentioned it in the last episode. And he didn't really do much in the Chattanooga game besides hit a big three-pointer. But he was awesome. Then Babakar Fai played 17 minutes, almost had a double-double. Led the team with eight rebounds, had seven points, was all over the offensive glass. And then Ben Burnham hits a three against UNC, has nine points and three rebounds in this one. So really happy to see those guys have bounce back games. It just shows how many weapons Charleston has. Uh, We'll get to Rain Smith a little bit later, but I thought even guys like Bolin and Robinson, who played pretty well in the Chattanooga game, you just saw what they bring to the table. Bolin especially, because I think after the first game, people were like, yeah, he's nice, but like, should he be starting over Raekwon? Um, he's kind of redundant with Larson and Smith. But from the jump, you saw what he can do. I thought UNC was really keyed in on stopping Rain Smith and just spreading out and covering the three-point line. And that allowed guys like Brzovic and Bolin to just back dudes down, not get any help defense from UNC and score. And that's what Bolin did in the first half. He had 16 first-half points. So I thought it really set, set the tone in the rest of the game. And then Robinson was just hustle buckets and just, you know, bully ball, uh, especially in the second half. So I think those guys, those two especially, are kind of momentum shifters. They're kind of like those lull breakers. Uh, When CFC needs a shot, they go in these offensive ruts where they're like they're turning the ball over or they're not hitting outside shots. Last year, it was usually like Demetrius Underwood or John Meeks who would bail them out. I think this year, you know, if the shots aren't falling, you dump it into Bowen, you dump it into Robinson, those guys can get an and one. So... Just top to bottom, I thought the whole roster played really well, especially that first half, and and that was super encouraging. Yeah, and uh, to that end, I noticed that our shots were really evenly distributed. So it's like, you know, we have looks for every guy on the floor, and then you can key in on Rainsmith, and you can game plan for that, but there's going to be a leak somewhere. Like, it's just, I mean, what yeah. can you do? Um, and the scrappy guard play... Bolin and Robinson, but really just the whole backcourt, I felt like Larson had a few moments uh, just where I feel like athletically we are, you know, on par with like a major program. It was, it was everyone belonged out there on the floor against the UNC team, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, pretty crazy. I thought I thought actually Lampton played pretty solid defense on Baycott. I thought Brzovic played well on him. And yeah, Bolin was backing dudes down he's and, and Robinson's bigger Robinson and Scott are both bigger than backcourt players for UNC like that's real physicality for a CAA team can we just talk about the Raekwon dunk I mean I feel like that I almost fell out of my chair on that I saw it coming he goes coast to coast I saw UNC stretched thin and guarding the perimeter and I saw all the space and I was like oh man Raekwon just needs to blow past this dude and I hope he goes for the dunk and sure enough he gets past his guy. UNC defense comes over late. Raekwon yams it on whoever. I don't even remember who the defender was. Unbelievable play. 
I didn't think I could love Raekwon Horton anymore. He just endears himself to me more and more every week. I saw it at number eight on SportsCenter the next day. I thought that was a little bit low. Well, I think if that's number eight on SportsCenter, it must have been an incredible day of sports for uh, seven plays, the slot in ahead yeah. of that. But yeah, that's that's a type of play where, you know, you got to applaud the defender for coming over to help. But I mean, just right on a poster. That's. I don't think they knew what they were getting into with Raekwon. I thought, I thought they must have underestimated him and thought, you know, he was going to try to lay it up and they were going to spike it. They don't know Raekwon Horton like we Yeah, do. I mean, don't do that to yourself next time. I, I appreciate the hustle, but you don't have to. Um, but yeah, obviously, this is the most pro Raekwon Horton podcast, I think, in the country, probably. <laughs> so uh, that's that type of material earlier in the season. Definitely love to see it. Yeah, I I freaking loved it. Actually, I also, so the Brzovich three to end the first half. This is how I watch games. I usually, I had... The game on my TV, because I got it on my regional sports network, and then I had Twitter open, I think Discord open, and I have the stats page. And usually the stats page is a few seconds ahead of the actual broadcast. And I usually don't look at it because it kind of like spoils what's going to happen on the possession. But when I knew Charleston was going to have a lead at the half, I was like, let me just see. Let me see what the the halftime score is going to be. And this was like right when they were coming out of timeout. And I saw that we scored a three, and I was like, holy crap. Did we just draw something up for Rain Smith? And sure, it's Brzovich, of all people, who was cooking. And just pure euphoria. Pure, pure euphoria. And having Brzovich coming off the bench, like, I think he played eight minutes against Chattanooga. It's just like, I don't think UNC's, one, really knows what he is even capable of, but two, you know, really planning on it. So all of a sudden, Brzovich, I think he either had two or three threes in the first half. It's like, yeah, just like a weapon X type of player. <laughs> He's so skilled, and he's only a sophomore. He's going to be really, really solid for us. Yeah, very impressive. thought Jalen Scott had a very Demetrius Underwood stat line, so he had a team-high 30 minutes against UNC. He got blocked a couple times, but he kept attacking. Six points, seven assists, which jumped off the page to me, uh, and six rebounds. So just stat-stuffing performance from Jalen Scott. Rain, again... Three points, uh, just one for four from the field. Seemed like UNC, again, was just really trying to key in on him, which is a good strategy against most mid-major teams. You know, if you're you're like, hey, we need to stop Andrew Gowdelock, we need to stop Grant Riller, let the rest of the team beat us, usually that works pretty well, but Charleston is so deep. And this is a a question I want to get to later. I don't even know who the best player on this roster is right now. Like, I think there's several guys who could make a case. So I think they, they keyed in on Rain, and that's just opened things up for everybody else. But I, I would like to see Rain contribute in some other ways if his shot's not falling or if he's just completely smothered by a guy like Leaky Black. Um, I know he said on our podcast that he's working on his ball handling skills and working on kind of his counters when people run him off the line. Experimenting with that, those new moves against the number one team in the country on the road is probably not the best place to try that but he should be able to do that against CAA and kind of our peers yeah I saw the same thing and and don't think you can read into it too much he's got leaky black defending him who's one of the best defenders in the country and yeah it's going to be a very difficult team to try and elevate your game against but I also thought that it seemed like a Tosh Kelsey sort of adjusted as well because Rain played a decent bit lower minutes to it seemed like at a point Kelsey was sort of like okay well if this isn't translating and he's a key of the UNC defense game plan, then have to try to, you know, rotate some more guys. 
yeah, yeah, I thought Kelsey coached the team pretty well in this game, as well as the Chattanooga game. Like I mentioned, Brzovic probably wasn't going to play as much as he did if he couldn't stand up defensively to Baycott, and he, he was able to stay on long enough. So let's talk about the second half, because that's when things got away from the Cougs. I just mentioned Baycott, but he had a not very great, by his standards, first half. He had one point and one rebound as a preseason, I think, unanimous All-American. He came back with a vengeance in the second half. He scored 27 points, five rebounds in the second half alone. I tweeted it out, All-American gonna All-American. He, there's there's a reason why he could win National Player of the Year, and that's the type of performance guys of that caliber have, right? Like, there's not much you can do. He really speared up. I think it was an 8-0 run by the Tar Heels, like, right out of halftime to get right back into the game. And I'm not going to fault the refs, but we obviously both saw the free throw disparity, 38-9 in favor of UNC. Earl Grant used to always say you have to be 10 points better on the road because you're not going to get the calls you normally would in your home environment. I think that's still a pretty hilarious and unfair free throw disparity. It's not like UNC was playing zone defense, like they played man-to-man, and a lot of calls could have gone Charleston's way, but... I understand it's UNC and the Dean Dome. So those two stats right there, Baycott coming out of halftime with remembering who he is and how important he is, and UNC remembering that they're UNC, we're College of Charleston, and just bullying us. Uh, Also, Charleston's shots dried up. Six for 14 in the first from outside, two for 10 in the second half, and one of those was in garbage time. Bowen struggled, rain continued to struggle, Brzovic cooled off. And uh, the last five, 10 minutes, Charleston was just trying to shoot threes, get steals, and things kind of got away from him the way we play possessions. Well, yeah. I mean, Armando Baycott is like a unicorn type player. And I mean, just to hold him to one point and one rebound in a half of basketball is is an achievement in its own right. But yeah, it it all uh, sort of averaged out, I guess, over the whole game. And I think uh, like the foul disparity that you're talking about really came into play where you have Lampton and Brzovic both finished the game with four personal fouls. And um, yeah, the first half I wrote down like Brzovic backing in on Baycott, like, oh, that's amazing. And then saw a bit more of Armando Baycott backing in on Brzovic uh, in the second half. So that's something that, I mean, we're not going to run into anyone who can play like that in the CAA. So I think that is something that can give you some confidence to say, I mean, we defended him really well for a half and it got away from us in the second half slash he really turned it up. But I think going forward, Lampton and Brzovic are going to have a lot more defensive success in the conference. The The three-point shooting kind of kills us because that's that's a huge part of what we're trying to do. So to effectively go one for nine in the second half, averaging out, you go six for 14, that's maybe a little better than you're going to shoot all season. And uh, we, we just saw it all kind of come out in the wash. Uh, going back to what you said about playing big men, Charleston's played two of the 15 best centers in the country. I mean, depending on what you think of Jake Stevens from Chattanooga, he had a 20-11 and 11 game against Charleston, and we said going in, he's a beast. So I think you, you have to kind of give a bit of a mulligan to Charleston's front line because they've gone against two really, really solid big men. The last thing I'll say uh, on the positive side is Charleston's offensive rebounding, which we've seen in both games so far. The way they crash the glass is really maybe their best trait as a team that really kept them afloat in the first half, also in the UNC game last year. I mean, UNC did not clean that up. 
despite having Baycott and despite having athletes up and down the roster, Charleston's just scrappy. Lampton and Babacar and even guys like Robinson just tip balls out. Uh, our guards re- rebound really well. So second chance points is definitely going to be a stat to look for moving forward. I think the more offensive rebounds Charleston gets, the more games they're going to win. And I think Pat Kelsey called it out in the post game. I think they got something like 38% of their misses in the first half or for the game, which would be top 10 in the country if you did that for an entire season. And that's what the team's aiming for is to be one of the top teams at that. Yeah. I mean, I, I also wrote down, we out rebounded them on aggregate for the whole game. I mean, that's, that's coming from offensive rebounds, Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the entire team can rebound and philosophically they're all crashing the glass. So, you know, you're not getting anything cheap or anything free. So we're, I mean, Babbo led the team in rebounds. He only played 17 minutes. That's the type of sort of enthusiasm, I guess that the, the whole team brings to rebounding. And, you know, the knock on offensive rebounding is like, oh, you only get an offensive rebound if you miss. Well, if you get 40% of those offensive rebounds, you know, that's going to that's gonna work. And especially when you get another shot that close to the basket. So what should we take away from this game? I think Charleston plays really valiantly, puts their name in the national conversation for a few minutes, looks really good, and then the final score is what it is. Do you feel more encouraged? Are you bummed that we couldn't keep the first half momentum? Mostly I'm encouraged because, yeah, the, the final scoreline maybe looks a bit messy. But the way the game actually played, I think it's hard to be a Cougar fan and not be encouraged. Um, obviously, you would love to see one of these uh, games against a you know Blue Blood get that over the line, get the actual victory. But uh, I, I'm happy with a moral victory uh, out of this game. I, I would say that the signs that are maybe a little troubling are just the turnovers in both games that you mentioned um where you know i think we had uh 10 assists and 14 turnovers so would like to see less turnovers and more assists i'm encouraged as well i think if you're a unc fan you're not as encouraged as you are if you're a cfc fan you know this is the third game in the series it's the third and final game uh we played at chapel hill in the opener for both teams in 2020 the covid year Obviously, last season in Charleston, 21, and now this was the third and final game in Chapel Hill here in 2022. Charleston had a second-half lead in all three games. It was very brief in the first one. It was a Dontavious King three that put us up for, like, one possession. But very encouraging, and credit to Matt Roberts and for UNC for agreeing to that. Um, I even saw some feedback on Reddit. Half the UNC fans were happy to no longer have to play us because we've scared them in the second half of every game. And then half of the UNC fans are like, no, this is great because like they actually test us and it's a well-coached team and they play us really well and we get those lumps out of the way in November rather than March. So like, I'd, I'd love to play CFC or a solid mid-major every year. So I thought we showed up well. I am really encouraged, again, to circle back to what I said at the beginning, the guys who struggled against Chattanooga really played well. And that's 10 dudes who can really contribute to a winning, winning a big game. Really solid effort from the Cougs. And now we just have to use that momentum going forward. Um, but before we get to previewing the next games, let's talk about the victory the Cougars had last week. Season opener, Monday night, Chattanooga, which is a really solid team. I mentioned this in the preview. I know people were nitpicking after the win against Chattanooga, but Chattanooga is good. And you saw all the games that were being played opening night. Everybody else was playing cupcakes there was very few actually competitive games on the schedule monday night so i credit 
both Chattanooga and Charleston for, you know, you don't know what you're going to get in on day one. You could lose and, and start 0-1. Respected the fact that they're both playing a quality mid-major. And Charleston has a second half lull, but basically they lead from like five minutes into the game until the end. Chattanooga makes a run. Charleston responds. But I'll, I'll open the floor to you first on what you took away from that season opening victory. Yeah, that game was like the marquee event of the opening night of college basketball. That was really like one of the only games yep. worth tuning into. And it was, uh, it, it delivered. But yeah, just circling back to Jake Stevens, for people who don't know, I mean, that that is actually one of the best centers in the country. People be like, oh, he plays for Chattanooga. It's like, yeah, I think he's the preseason uh, SOCON player of the year, maybe. Yes. Yeah, so two players of the years we've gone against back-to-back games uh, in the post. Yeah. But yeah, coaching change at Chattanooga, they're still going to be a very strong team. I thought it was a great, I mean, especially the first half. Uh, again, sort of a euphoria type feeling in both of these first halves where it was just like rains knocking down threes, like we're clicking. And um, I think if you are are complaining about the second half, like, okay, there's maybe some valid criticisms, the turnovers, but that's nitpicking because to start the year, maybe a bit of jitters, a bit of like everyone's still gelling and to to put Chattanooga away is pretty impressive. Yeah, we were keyed in on Jake Stevens early, and I actually thought more of the offense ran through him than I even expected. He he does everything for them. He is their leading scorer. He's probably their best shooter. He leads them in rebounding. He's their leading shot blocker. He's also like making all the passes. I, I thought the Nikola Jokic comparison on the broadcast was actually pretty fair. So he like he touches the ball on every single possession, and he was productive. He had a 20-10 and 10 double-double, but he had eight turnovers, and early in the second half, he looked gassed, and he looked frustrated by his turnovers, and then that's when I think Charleston really smelled blood in the water. Unfortunately, they're, they took some ill-advised shots, but uh, Jalen Scott hits a huge three uh, to put Charleston from up three to up six, which is just a backbreaker if you're Chattanooga. And then they kind of coast from there. Rain did not struggle in this one. He had 24 points. And I thought it was actually pretty quiet. Like it was within the offense. He was just hitting the open shots that were available to him. And made it look really easy. Uh, And then I wanted to talk to you more about Jalen Scott. Because (laughs) right before this game, you wrote a blog post on top uh, transfers in the CAA. Did you have Jalen Scott in the top 10? See in there. I only did nine guys, but you changed your order. I think. I think halftime you already uh, moved him up to first. Yeah, halftime he was the only one. I like. I quote tweeted it and just updated. Oh, it's Jalen Scott, and I don't know. I I did the article like a little late. Uh, Like I did it like right before the season started, and I was kind of bogged down and just like reading about all these these dudes, and I didn't know much about Jalen Scott other than you know NAIA Player of the Year and. I was like, well, I don't know. Like, does that is that going to transfer D one? And yeah, it does. Uh, there, he looks plug and play. I think he's still adjusting to maybe the athleticism because he's gotten his shot blocked a couple times. But physically, he stands up fine, and he doesn't need plays run for him, and just looks really good and might be our best passer. It's unreal. I mean, because I already felt very good about the team coming in, you know, knowing the guys that we know, and then. He is on the floor and just doing everything. The Demetrius Underwood comparison totally makes sense. He's just got the size. He's got, you know, the passing ability. I think Kelsey said on the podcast, uh, he's like not a great shooter, but he can shoot it, you know, well enough. 
or maybe said that in blue ribbon. He, he hit that three and then he hit two free throws to ice it. Right. I, take all the shots you want. Like I, I'm totally good with that. What do you think of this starting lineup? Because I, I think we all expected Rain to be in it, obviously. I think everyone expected Ryan Larson to be the starting point guard. And then, like, the two, the four, and the five are kind of the ones up to gra- up for grabs. And it ends up being Bolin, Scott as kind of like your big wing four, and then Lampton. Two games in, what, what are your thoughts on that five? I wasn't expecting it. And I was very curious if Lampton would actually get the start at center or if we'd go, like, a smaller approach, something like that. And what I personally was had a grudge about at the time was uh Raekwon Horton not starting I was like I don't even know I don't even care I I don't even care how you fit him in but he's got to be in there somewhere so yeah when when they were doing the introductions I was kind of like what is this like what's going on here um but yeah I thought it worked out pretty well and I thought they had um you know like a good rotation it's like still everyone's gonna get minutes off the bench um and then against UNC we saw sort of maybe feedback from the first game, like impacting that lineup and rotation a bit. Yeah, I think I think we'll still see Ray get into the starting lineup and maybe in Bowen's spot. I think the starting five has balance because you've got three scores in the backcourt and then you've got a really solid defensive front line. I think Brzovic is kind of nipping at Lampton's heels if he can stand up and block some shots. We haven't seen Brzovic's rebounding yet, but he did average 11 rebounds a game last season at the D2 level. So you know he's got it in him. And again, these guys have had tough matchups. But for a starting five, it's a very, very veteran group. I mean, you've got a fifth-year guy in Larson, a fifth-year, sixth or seventh-year guy in Bolin, a fifth-year guy in Scott, and a fourth-year guy in Lampton, and then obviously a sophomore in Rain. So I I wasn't totally surprised that Kelsey would go with some veterans in the in the starting five. But again, everybody's going to get some minutes and it really doesn't matter who who starts and who finishes. Yeah, I was, uh, I guess, at the beginning of the Chattanooga game, not expecting to see Jalen Scott in the lineup, even after hearing Rain on the podcast and Coach Kelsey on the podcast saying, oh, he's like in the running for defensive player of the year, which is, you know, a big accolade. And then in the first two games, he's played more minutes than anyone else, and for good reason. So that's really been uh, sort of out of the blue, I guess, unless you were really plugged in to the, the coaching staff. Yeah, and I, I I just said it doesn't matter who finishes, but we did did see some uneasiness a little bit more than I thought we would. We all know the Cardiac Cougars from last season. They roll out this veteran closing group that we all wanted to see, which was Larson, Rain. Bolin, and I think it was Robinson, and maybe Scott at the five, or maybe it was, maybe it was Ben. Um, but they had this closing group in, and it was actually shakier than I would have liked. And I'll I'll give them a one pass because it was the opener. But Ryan Larson had a really bad inbound turnover that led to a Chattanooga three, which shouldn't have happened. And then both Bolin and Robinson missed free throws down the stretch, and I was like, oh god, please, please not again. They escaped, Rain hits his free throws, and Jalen Scott hits two to really ice it. Something to monitor moving to moving forward. I'm, I'm not so worried right now, but a little bit to be desired from what I thought was a really experienced closing group. Yeah, you definitely don't want that to become a pattern, and that's something we saw a bit last year, struggling to close the end of the game. But also, that was a bit of a function of not really having a point guard. So you got to hope that, yeah. We'll give him one pass now and uh, just hopefully no patterns. Speaking of patterns, 
two games into the season, I think we're starting to see what this squad's going to be good at. I already mentioned the offensive rebounding. Got to work on the assists. Uh, Jalen Scott, I love the assist numbers against UNC. Larson hasn't really gotten there yet with assists. He's been more of a shooter so far. But the assist numbers have not been great, especially considering how many possessions Charleston plays. And they have these turnover issues. So the assist to turnover ratio is not great. That may be a factor with just like how we have to live with Pat Kelsey's tempo. You know, it's just going to be the counting stats are going to be a lot higher for assists and turnovers. I'd like to see that ratio improve a little bit. But I love the offensive rebounding. I love the, the variety of lineups we can roll out there. Offense, defense, which we saw in the Chattanooga game. Any trends you've noticed? Well, to the assist to turnover point, I think you're right that the pace that we play at is just going to, you know, we're going to have to see a few more turnovers than we might like. And that's just a part of it. But yeah, I would love to get the assist to turnover ratio to to one. Like, let's start there, get it to back to one. And it, it is surprising because, you know, there's a lot, like everyone on the floor can get a bucket at any given time. And we're having that many possessions in a game I mean, you think we have like a couple assists by accident where, you know, we're, we have the ball for six seconds. We're probably going to get an assist on, on the basket. But yeah, the offensive rebounding has been really strong, which again, a staple of uh, Coach Kelsey's teams, it seems. Um, and other than that, I just think what I'd like to see is the defense improve a bit. And I think like the interior defense in particular, again, only two games. We're running up and down the floor a ton. So you know, teams are going to score a bit higher percentage from two if, if they're getting a run out. Uh, and then playing really high quality post players probably affects that a little bit as well. But I think UNC shot like 79% on twos in that game. So that was just... Chattanooga shot well right. in the second half. Yeah, so that was something where I was like, I mean, we have these huge guys inside. Uh, we have length at every position. So would like to see that number come down a bit too. I think that's a fair criticism. Yeah, defense wasn't great last year, hasn't been great this year. I mean, you give 100-plus to the UNC. I know the pick to win the title, but they did get their, their free Bojangles biscuits because they hit 100 points and won the game. That is a, I was that's a good promotion. I'm a bit jealous of that one. Uh, but anything else you want to talk about between the Chattanooga and UNC games before we look ahead to this week? Um, just one more thing that I noticed uh, was just sort of the way the minutes changed in those two games, uh, I noticed that in UNC, uh, Larson and uh, Bolin and Horton got a, a few more minutes, and it was more at the expense of Rain, and Pat Robinson had a few less minutes. And I left Brzovich and Burnham out of that uh, first group. So it was like kind of a redistribution of minutes from a couple of the guards to more of the big players. Um, so I don't know if that sort of probably partially related to Lampton, being in foul trouble, he only had six minutes, and then Rain being shut down on defense. But I thought it was interesting uh, playing more of like a big lineup or playing more of the big guys. Yeah, seemed like he was also just playing who was hot because Bullen started so hot in that game, and then Raekwon was really solid. We, we haven't seen any freshmen yet, so the lineup has been tight-ish by Pat Kelsey standards, but still extremely deep. And the CFC bench outscored UNC's bench in that in that contest. All right, let's look ahead. Tonight, Monday night, second home game of the season. First one with the full plethora of students available because it's not fall break. 
I should mention the Chattanooga student section was very, very solid for a fall break game. Richmond comes in Monday night and then big event later in the week, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, Charleston Classic, annual event. That's awesome. ESPN. Charleston gets to play in it this year. They get to play every four years and they will open Thursday night, 7 p.m. primetime on ESPNU against Davidson. Uh, we don't know who they're going to finish, who they're going to play against after that. But we'll start with Richmond. What are you looking for in this game tonight? Well, Richmond is always a tough out. Um, they Chris Mooney's a really good coach. They have a lot of roster turnover this year, so a lot of new guys in the mix. Um, but tra- uh, Tyler Burton has, is a senior there. He's a beast. Uh, he's a forward. And I also was looking at the lineup, and they have a seven footer who. Through the first, I'm sick of these seven footers. I mean, why are we seeing so many seven? Can we get a break? I think he had like a 135 offense rating on Ken Palm, which is really good. Small sample, so I mean, we'll see what happened. And I don't know how he played against uh, VMI today. I don't. I didn't check the stats of that game, but I think we have a good opportunity. Despite all that said, um, I think we're a small dog on Ken Palm right now. I, I'm not sure, yes. but uh, I think it's maybe a little bit closer than that. They have been shooting the three very well, um, so you know that's tough. But I think we have a pretty good perimeter defense. So if we can, you know, bring them back to earth a little bit and keep pounding the glass, uh, I like that. And at home, um, with as you mentioned, of actual, you know, no one's on fall break. Like I think the arena is going to be going nuts because there's been a lot of. And I think a lot of people bought in after that UNC result. Right, and and the Chattanooga attendance, I was actually kind of concerned going into that. I was like, oh no, like this could be a huge problem. And even with sure. most of the student population, probably not in the city, still showed out. I'm with you. Richmond, well, first of all, it's another NCAA tournament team from last year. So the third straight NCAA tournament caliber team Charleston's opening the season with. Again, this out-of-conference schedule is a beast. But they do have a lot of roster turnover. Some fans will remember Richmond had this class that never got over the hump, really talented senior class, and then they all came back for their COVID year last year. And despite kind of an up-and-down regular season, they win the A-10 tournament, get into March Madness finally. But a lot of those guys have left, so it's not the same team. It's a lot like Chattanooga where there's a lot of roster turnover. So while, again, they're a tournament team, I do feel like Charleston has some advantages here. Playing at home is definitely a boost, but they are st- Charleston is still an underdog in this one. I'm just hoping to see more consistency. You know, two games in, I hope I'm hoping for a strong second half. I would be encouraged by some growth in that portion of the game. Love to see a bounce back from rain, but I do love our depth. And I do love our offensive rebounding. Then looking ahead, oh, Spiders so far, they did crush VMI, and then they beat a solid Northern Iowa team, which is ranked a little bit above Charleston on Ken Palm. But both those games are at home. This is uh, Richmond's first road contest, so we'll see. They're ranked a little bit above us. Thursday, Charleston Classic. So I'll, I'll preview Davidson a little bit. A couple guys will be familiar here. Number one, Reed Bailey. So Reed Bailey is the younger brother of Evan Bailey, who if anybody remembers the Chile, Riller, Brantley teams. Evan Bailey was kind of the spot-up shooter of that group. His brother Reed is has the same basketball intelligence, same shooting ability, but he's 6'9 and can jump out of the gym. So he's a freak. He's played solid for Davidson so far. 
They also have Connor Kachera, who was CAA Rookie of the Year two seasons ago, I think, for William & Mary. He's on Davidson now. Uh, Davidson opened the year against, uh, or their first D1 game was against Wright State, where they had a massive deficit early, and then Davidson stormed back and won that game in double overtime. Bailey and Kachera played well, but they have this guy, Foster Lawyer, who had 38 points, 11 rebounds, and 9 assists, so... Another tournament team, another really, really solid player for Jalen Scott and Dalton Bowen to take turns defending. But other storylines from the Charleston Classic, obviously South Carolina has Gigi Jackson, who's played really well. South Carolina beat Clemson the other day. Local interest there. Furman, who Charleston's going to play later this year, who's a really solid South Carolina team, is going to be there. Justin Mutz, who we remember from Delaware, plays for Virginia Tech, who might be the favorite in this tournament. Cam Winter from Drexel, preseason player of the year last year, is now at Penn State. So lots of familiar uh, opponents on the other side, but that event should be uh, a great tournament. It it usually is. Yeah, I'm glad that this year we finally get to uh, see the Cougars play in it. I feel like it should be once every two years or something. I think it should be more often. It is a little bit of an unfair advantage to be on a neutral court. That's your your home court. I don't know how the March committee considers that. I I guess it is home court, but... uh, if I was an opponent, I'd feel pretty gypped if I had to play the Cougars. Yeah, but it's still going to be a tough out for them. That is fair. But, yeah, it's a really strong field. I think it's a stronger field than – I mean, it's a stronger field than last year, and it strikes me as a bit stronger than it, the tournament generally has. So if we could have one year to be in it, I'm excited for this to be the uh, the opportunity that we get. And uh, Davidson, again, you know, just a, an institution of a mid-major program. Um, but a bit of a bit of a different look now. Um, Bob McKillop retired. His I can't remember his son's first name. He's coaching now. Um, but that's they've done a bad job offensive rebounding. Um, so another team that we're a small dog to that at home, you know, you have to feel like we have a good puncher's chance against them. Been underdogs in both games so far. Right. Yeah. All right. Keep it coming. Gone one and one. Yeah. That that'll work fine. Yeah. Keep keep uh, underestimating us. But the field at large, I think, is a huge opportunity for us and also for the conference because it's, you know, Old Dominion is the, uh, the the weakest team in the field. They're on the other half of the bracket. So I wrote down, like, my goal for this tournament is to just avoid playing Old Dominion, not because I'm scared of them, but, you know, we get three chances at really high-quality teams at home. I love that aspect of it. I love the exposure that charleston gets i mentioned friday night espnu should have people tuned in davidson draws eyeballs they're a brand in and of themselves in mid-major basketball lots of history between these two teams from the socon days going back to curry and gowdlock but all games are going to be on espn platforms if Char- the better charleston does the more tv time they get and the fewer espn plus games so another incentive to to play well uh in addition to just solid out-of-conference wins you can pick up all right, is there anything we have not covered? Well, I just want to say for the record that I'm insanely excited for the recruiting class coming in, and uh, it's a better recruiting class than Iowa, Texas Tech, Virginia Tech, and South Carolina at the moment on 24-7 sports. Or, so I know you guys really dug into that last week, but yeah, I want, I want the record to show it. Oh, man. If, if the UNC game <laughs> had gone the other way, it would have been the greatest 48 hours in College of Charleston history between signing day and beating the number one team in the country. I know uh, James Scott was at the game uh, taking it in. I think he was behind the Cougars bench. He's the center they have coming in. 
But man, yeah, I loved seeing Isaiah Coleman and Meyer Wall and James Scott make it official, sign on the dotted line. Don't have to sweat it anymore. And next year is going to be lit. But we have to make it through this season first. Still really encouraged by this team. Hope the UNC game was not a flash in the pan and something to build on. Love coming back home. Love that the team's going to be playing at the six. Should be a raucous environment. Redshirt junior man, thank you for coming through. And we'll see you uh, next time you're on the pod. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Tommy.